You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, would you start with me in Ephesians chapter 1? Let's look there, if you will. Chapter 1, and then we're going to work our way down through the... 14th verse, all right? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You need to notice some of the particular wording that's being used here, that uh, these, are, these are spiritual blessings. Um, we kind of get a, and in, in sometime in the prosperity preaching that some of us hear from time to time, can get the idea that the blessings of God are all material, that if you don't have the best car in the parking lot, and if you don't have, you know, the nicest home and so forth, then obviously it's the way you're living, and if you could, you know, just do better, God could bless you in a greater way But honestly, guys, listen to me. The greatest blessings we have are the spiritual blessings that come from God. And it's what God's going to list for us here today. It's what you stand on in the Christian life. It's what gives us stability in the Christian life. So, verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Where do they come from? In heavenly places in Christ. Now look in verse 4 as we get into this. And he's going to begin naming the blessings of God according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. How did that happen? Before the world was even here? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having, here's, here's a scary word to a lot of people, predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which both, uh, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were, notice this, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Did you catch all that? I, I just stand back and say, wow. 
How do you say all of that in such eloquent terms like that unless you're under the guidance of the Holy Spirit? And that's definitely what happened with the Apostle Paul. Paul had been caught up to the third heaven, was taught things that was going to be a blessing, not just to the people in his area, but to the rest of us down through the centuries. And it's obvious God has really filtered into that man's heart some tremendous foundational truths for the Christian life. I'm going to ask you to go to the Lord in prayer with me and we'll just pray and get into this message here this morning. Thank you, God. It's really a blessing to be in the Word of God and want to pray that you'll bless his Lord with open eyes of understanding. God, if we don't have your Holy Spirit leading us, then all that we say and do this morning, whether it's the, the one that's preaching or the listening ear, it's going to be in vain unless your Holy Spirit opens our eyes of understanding and settles foundational truths into our hearts here today. And uh, God, just bless. I yield myself to you and pray for the fullness of that Spirit of God, your anointing on, on the preaching of the Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We probably know more about this church than any other church in the whole Bible. You can read more about this church at Ephesus, Paul's dealings with the church at Ephesus, in more places in the Bible than I believe any other church that's really brought out. By the time you get to the end of the Bible, into the book of Revelation, uh, you find John addressing those seven churches of Asia, Ephesus being the very first one, and you find out, and, and we're going to be, matter of fact, you know, put your hand right here and flip over to the last book of the Bible, Revelation with me, and get into chapter 2. It'll just take you just a minute if you can get there. Uh, you're going to find out when we read about this church here at Ephesus, man, they had a lot going for them. And yet there's going to be one more thing that God has to say to them that they, by the time they went from, from uh, the book of Ephesians to the book of Revelation, and they missed out on so much. And he really had to come in, and I, I use the wording, ring their bell quite a bit. That's what he had to do. So look in Revelation chapter 2 and follow along there in those first four verses as he addresses this church. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, God, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks in the person of Jesus Christ, which means right now today, guys, Jesus Christ is in the midst of our church. The candlesticks are the churches. And Jesus Christ is in the midst of, I believe with all my heart, Jesus is in the midst of this church, even here today. So he's describing how he's in the midst of all those churches. And look in verse 2 as he talks specifically to the church of Ephesus. I know thy works. It must do a lot for God, apparently. And thy labor and thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. I'm trying to keep a clean church, apparently. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Can you look up here? Man, what a church. Wouldn't you love to be a, a, a church like that? And wouldn't you love for God to be able to say all those things about Eastside Baptist Church that you just read there? Until you get to the next verse. In verse 4, nevertheless, in spite of all those things you got going for you, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Flip back over to Ephesians. 
It's believed that the book of Ephesians, as I've already said, tremendously settled a lot of doctrinal issues for this church here. But guys, by the time we got to the book of Revelation, these guys, this church, these church members, if, if they were talking about us, we could say, Eastside, you've learned how to use your hands and feet, but you forgot how to use your heart. And Paul was trying to say to them, you lost your first love, the thing that puts heartbeat into a congregation in the first place. But he had to get foundational truths into their lives, things that would give them a solid foundation to stand on, things that would make them feel confident in the things of God, and yet would give them a burning in their heart to want to do the things for God that God would want for a congregation. God help us as a body of believers here this morning Yes, get our hands and our feet actively doing what we need to be doing, but God help us to do it, leading with our heart, loving the Lord, loving the brethren, doing what we can to be a a blessing one to another. He's going to drive toward this as we work our way through the book of Ephesians. I, I mean, what were those things that Paul helped this Ephesian church with in this epistle that we are studying? We're going to dive into this here in just a moment. As we studied last week, the first three verses, Paul makes it clear that he wanted them to be made aware to fully see the spiritual blessings that they have and what's the, I call them the key words in the whole book, in Christ. Over and over and over, I kept reading reading words that were in him, in whom, in Christ. That's how we have these foundational truths, because we are saved and we are now in Christ. We, we have these things. Just need to have our bell rung a little bit to understand that. Um, so from verses 3 down to verse 12, you have one long sentence. There's, there's, uh, there's not a period at the end of any of these sentences till you get to verse 12. Longest sentence in the Bible, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, to be honest with you guys, I heard one preacher putting it this way. When I try to expound on, on these verses here today, he said, for him, I, he was referring to another subject altogether, but he said, for me, he said, it's like trying to, to take a drink from a fire hydrant. You ever heard that expression? Uh, as kids, they used to come by our neighborhood years ago, and they'd go to the fire hydrant and pop the cap off and let it drain for a while to get the rust and crud out and so forth. And the kids in the neighborhood would love to run up, and they'd be 10 or 15 feet out uh, where the water was, was coming out, but you didn't want to get right up against that fire hydrant because it would blow you away. And when you have so much water coming out at one time, it, it's got a little bit of force behind it. That's what it's kind of like for me. I'll just be honest, uh, trying to understand and grasp everything that's being said here. It's like I just stuck my face down in front of that fire hydrant trying to get a little drink, and here comes the whole world rushing at me. Uh, I remember... Um, uh, my friend Mike Gray had told me that he had a Bible program, and it's called, uh, it's called Logos, is the Bible program. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, but it's a tremendous program. has all kinds of features to it. Man, you can do everything with that. I, it'll even make you breakfast. I just haven't learned how to do it yet. Um, not really. But um, he gave me that program, and it started telling me all the stuff that it can do, things that I didn't even know what I would be looking at if it did that thing for me. And I told him, I said, Mike, I I just opening this program up, it's like somebody sat me down in a nuclear submarine and I'm looking at all these controls and and I know it does some really neat things, but I'm not quite sure what all it does. 
Sometimes you get that feeling when you get to a passage like this. So would you, would you be patient with me? Would you have an open heart of, of understanding this morning? And also understand that we're kind of going to walk down through a, almost, and I hate to say this because it kind of sounds a little boring, but it's almost like a checkoff list of all the things that God's trying to get us to understand here this morning. So would you on purpose try to, to listen to what we're saying here this morning? When it was Christmas time at our house and I was, I was young, uh, I loved it when my, old, my, old, my old, older brother, who's the only brother I have, uh, he got a job, and then my older sister got a job, and, and mom and dad obviously had money. Why did I enjoy that at Christmas time? Because now I not only got gifts from mom and dad, it was from mom and dad, and then I would get one from Rudy. Um, and, and then I, usually he would give me something like empty gum wrappers or something like that. Not really. He did, he did pretty good. And then my older sister, she, I'd look for three different gifts uh, from, uh, from different people. It was from, you know, the three that could, uh, could afford to do that in our house. Well, when you read through these 14 verses, you're going to find these gifts coming from three different individuals, all the same person. First of all, you're going to find gifts that are given to you by the Heavenly Father. Secondly, you're going to find gifts given to you by Jesus Christ. Lastly, we're going to find in verses 13 and 14 the gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. So let's walk through these. First of all, blessings of the Father. Here we go. Number one, um, if you'll look there with me in verse 3 and 4 again, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all, everything I'm ever going to need to live for Christ, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and they come in Christ. And then get this, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now let me, we'll hit that pause button right there, okay? So first of all, guys, first gift I want to bring out and talk about is that we've been chosen. Before this world was ever created, God looked down and through eternity and could see us and know what was going on, and God chose every one of us. I, I, I don't do this often, but every now and then I just say, if you're saved and you know it, can you just raise a little hand and say amen? I'm on my way to heaven. I mean, God chose you before this world was even here, much less before uh, you were even here. And, and think about that. Those who would get saved way in eternity, way, way in eternity past, uh, before the world was in existence, God said, I choose you. Again, wow, I can't, I can't take all of that in. Before I was ever in existence, God said, I choose Philip Spencer. Now we need to make something very clear here. Somebody says, uh, uh-oh, you're talking about I was chosen in him before the foundation of the world. God chose me, and I know where you're going to go with that. Some of you probably will. And I just want to make something very clear to this congregation this morning, uh, and I want you to hold your place here again. Go back toward the end of the Bible, not to the, clear to the book of Revelation, but 1 Peter chapter 1. I need you to see this. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1. Are you there? Getting close? All right. I want you to read this uh, uh, silently while I read it out loud. But look there in First Peter 1. In verse 2, um, in verse 2, here's Peter talking, and he says, I'm talking to this group of people who are elect, 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. First phrase again, go back, I'm going to look at it again. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, flip back over to where we were in Ephesians and look up here, will you please? Um, I understand that this is a subject that almost deserves a series. If I'm going to talk about election and the foreknowledge of God and uh, how somebody may be predestinated, that's a huge subject. And I'm just going to take several verses here just to quickly say this. God, through his foreknowledge, and you say, you're one of those guys that believes that with all my heart and soul. I believe that God, in his foreknowledge, here we are out in eternity past. The world isn't even in existence. I don't know what all outside of Christ, God the Father, the the Trinity was there, obviously. And I don't know what all of heaven that we could have described at that time. When you look out through eternity, the world was not even here. This earth as we know it was not even here. But you have to understand, God sees everything all at once. Uh, God doesn't have to wait for time to move on so he can see what's happening over here uh, or to just use his memory to see what was happening way back here. God sees it all. I mean, in a glance, he can look back and see the events happening in the past, what's happening in the future or in the present, and now what's going to be happening in the future. I am convinced God the Father could look down through eternity and know that this world would be brought into existence and that a a cross would stand in in a place called Calvary. And he knew that the son that was here with him would one day hang on that cross. And he knew that the gospel would be preached one day down through the centuries and that one day um, as the gospel was being preached in a little town called Franklin, Ohio, that a young boy, nine years old, sitting right back over in this area, would hear the gospel for probably several hundredth time, and it would strike his heart and bring him under conviction. And God knew that at that moment, when that invitation was given, I was going to come to an altar and open my heart to God and ask Him to be my Savior. God knew those things in His foreknowledge. And in His foreknowledge, God watching that happen, God says, for every person who in that future places faith in me and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, I choose him. You need to understand that. God doesn't look down through eternity and, and uh, before we're ever brought into existence and say, you know what, I'm sovereign and I'm divine and, uh, and I'm going to do some God things. And you'll just have to understand these are God things. I'm going to choose a certain group of people that will be my, my children, and I'll, I'll choose you, 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 and you. And I, and I know I'm not making light of it. If it sounds like I am, I'm not trying to do that. But I don't think very highly of this at all, that God chose who was going to get saved. And those who don't get chosen, they're just not part of the elect. But he's God, and he's sovereign, and he can do what he wants to do. Oh, he certainly is God and he is sovereign, and he is right now doing everything that he wants to do. One of those things God wanted to do, don't miss this, is God gives every one of us a will. That's his sovereign choice. God chose to put a will inside of me, the free will of man to be able to choose, uh, to choose to accept Christ or to make the choice to reject God. I have been given that choice by God. That makes him sovereign and divine. That was his choice to give that 
choice to me. That doesn't make him uh, any less of a God to be able to do that. That's the way he designed it. Do you understand that? Now, with that in mind, uh, then I won't have to take so much time going through the other places where it talks about predestination and so forth, but I'll, I'll take a few minutes, but not, not a whole lot, okay? So with that foreknowledge of God, he can, he can see the past, the present, and the future as if it's all before him right now. God could look into the future and see who would be saved and chose those. I choose those who turn to me. Again, that's one of those thoughts hard to grasp and comprehend, to take all that in, that God would do that. So notice we were chosen for a reason. Go back into verse 4 now. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Well, what was the purpose of that? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Holy. Without blame. Prior to salvation, guys, we were defiled and unworthy of him. And our house last month was fruit fly month. Does your house celebrate fruit fly month ever? Every year we celebrate that. I don't like it, but we celebrate it. It goes on for a whole month. Uh, they're in your face, they're in your ears, they're in your sink, and you can just torch the place and they'll show up again tomorrow. So my wife, I scoured, I cleaned, I, did, I bleached the sink, I poured it down the sink, I cleaned everything I could think to clean. Fruit flies. And so um, then a week or two later, I was in the back bedroom and I heard my wife say, found the fruit flies. I'm like, you found them, they found us. She goes, nope, I found where they are. And I went in there and she pulled out this plastic uh, Tupperware-like tub and she had pulled the lid off where we had safely stored some potatoes and onions, which were now soup. Do you like potato and onion soup? <laughs> I like it better when you cook them on the stove and they don't process over the next, you know, the last four, three or four months. And these were soup. Oh my goodness. And somehow them fruit flies had found them and were all around that and so forth. You talk about defiled. You ever get rotten potato on you? And I went out to throw one in the garden one time. I threw it as hard as I could. And half of it was still solid and half of it was rotten. And the part that was still solid just flew through the air. The other half just dropped straight down <laughs> all over my shirt. And you talk about, I didn't put that thing in the washing machine. Mom said, throw that in the trash can out there. That's a good understanding of what it means to be defiled. That's what you and I were like. That's what it was like when God looked down and saw us with all that sin all, all over us. But Jesus Christ chose me that I would be holy and without blame before him. Who can do that? Guys, you can wash all you want to wash, but rotten potato smell doesn't go away for months. It just seems like it. It's stuck on your skin. But when the blood of Jesus Christ washes over a sinner's soul, you're holy and without blame. There's nothing wrong anymore. Uh, I, I'm perfect, just like the son Jesus is perfect, because I'm in him I'm no longer a part of the old world that I used to belong to. Um, also, another blessing from the Father. Go down into verse 5. Look in verse 5. Here's another one of those blessings. Having uh, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure 
of his will. So the next thing, guys, is we were adopted and brought into the, to the family of God. Um, you know, there's that word again, predestinated us under the adoption of children. Anybody else ever heard about that church that split over a chicken leg? Anybody else remember that church? Okay, so true story really happened. Years ago, church was uh, going on, and this church was, this one guy in this church was really noted for always saying, I believe it was uh, predestined, foreordained before the foundation of the world that we would meet here on this day, or that we would go to this place in town, or, and he would, everything he would do, he would say that. And so uh, they were having a church picnic after the morning service, and that guy, the same guy, walked up, uh, and there's, you know, the thing of chicken there, and he picked the chicken leg up. And he held it up in the air and he said, I believe it was for, true story, foreordained before the foundation of the world, predestinated that on this day at 1138, and named his church in the county, it was predestined that I would eat this chicken leg here today. There was one guy in the church sick and tired of hearing that stuff. He came up behind him and snatched it out of his hand and said, ain't going to be so this time. And he ate the chicken leg. And it caused a split in the church. Seriously, the church split right in half. Over, I've heard of splitting over carpet and all that, but a chicken leg, really? Predestination. God looked and saw that I was going to get saved and predestined in his heart that I'll adopt that man, I'll adopt that boy to be a part of my family. I love the Spencer family. I'm so proud to be called a Spencer. But I'm so glad God adopted me. I'm a part of his family. Do you get that? He's my father now. It's an amazing thought to try to take all that in. He predetermined that we would be adopted into his family. For everyone that will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the father predetermined that he would make them part of his family. I mean, I used to belong to a, another family, spiritually speaking. You're familiar with these verses in John chapter 8. Listen to what your dad used to look like or sound like or what he used to be like spiritually, your spiritual father. Ye are of your father the devil. This is before you get saved, guys. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And he used to be my spiritual father. I'm so glad I got adopted out of that family. Anybody else say amen to that? And now I have another heavenly father today. I'm adopted. I, I mean, you can, anybody here that is adopted understands the concept even greater than someone like me could ever possibly understand that. I was miserable with that father, but I am so glad that when I was chosen, I was also adopted into the family of God. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. There's another gift. God has accepted us. He made us acceptable because we were all sinners before salvation. We were spiritually, I'm going to go back to that word defiled before. Nobody wanted anything like that. We were rotten to the core. I mean, our, our iniquities, Isaiah tried to get us to understand this, our iniquities separated between us and our God. The filthiness that was in us separated us from Him. He could not accept something like us that were spiritually defiled. We were unacceptable. It just is not going to work. Um, 
We raised Yorkies for a little while. They're called Yorkshire Terriers, but they're terrorists in my opinion, Yorkshire terrorists. Um, and, and I'll be honest, they're, they're cute. Uh, they're a cute little dog. They're yippy dogs. Um, and my wife is at it again. Can you guys pray for me? She wants another one. She's not here, so it won't hurt. So you just, we all just bow our heads right now. Please pray. I, I don't mind the little doggies in her lap, but they just are everywhere. And I have to tell you something, when they get old and their teeth start falling out, you'll be sitting there on the couch and all of a sudden you're looking around like, what just happened in here? And there's that dog right here looking at you in the face, breathing. And their mouth is just, I don't know how to describe it. Oh, I know how to describe it. They ate the rotten potatoes. That's what happened. That's the way they get their mouth just, oh my goodness. And then they're cute from a distance, but I just don't want them in my lap. Go, shoo. They stink. Unacceptable. Again, that was us. There was nothing about you or me that God would look down and say, look at that man, look at him. That's the kind of guy I want up here. How about you, angels? Doesn't he smell good? No, he stinks. Well, doesn't he look good? No, he's rotten. I mean, there was nothing about us. And Jesus Christ came to me and made me acceptable to his Father. Wow. Who does that? But do you understand here this morning, guys, there's another series that needs to be preached on being accepted. You're accepted to God. You're acceptable to God just the way you are. When God changed you completely, he made you like his son inside. You're wholly acceptable to God. It's not in a church where these really unique people are really, really good people in the church, and then, and then there's some of these guys, you know, part, guys like us. We're over here. And we're, you know, even in my own heart and mind, I kind of know that I'm just kind of one of those down and outers over here. But these guys over here, you know, they're really, really good Christians. And that is something you can walk right back into the grocery store with and hang it up right along beside the, the other baloney that's in the meat department, because that's baloney. Truth is, uh, when God saved every one of us, he made everybody acceptable in his eyes. We're all equal. The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We've heard that before, haven't we? You know what? I have got the second half of this message to preach. And I really thought, you know what? You can get this done in 30, 35, 40 minutes, but it's not going to happen. I'm, I did not intend to do this, but I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to stop right here. I think I'm going to finish second half of this the next Sunday when I come back to preach this. All right. So um, can you remember all of this and hold this in your heart and mind? And I would ask you, would you read through this and begin to try to understand what God has really, really done for us? So let me just stop with what we've learned so far this morning. And can I just look out at Eastside Baptist Church here this morning and ask you the question, how do you feel about yourself when you approach God you say, well, I, I, sometimes I feel like I've done some things that were wrong, and I, I just don't feel like when I approach him, like I'm one of those on the A-list, I don't feel like that. I am somewhere way back in the line here, and I just don't know if God really wants to answer my prayers and, and to really meet with somebody like me because you know all the things going in my life. 
And I know there's a lot of Christians that feel that way. But I have to tell you, please look up here and listen. You missed everything that he just said about you. You're now holy. You're without blame. You're undefiled. You've been chosen by him. And you've been made perfect in every way by the blood of Jesus Christ. God wants fellowship with you. You're not the bucket of rotten potatoes anymore. God loves to have fellowship with his children. He wants to hear from you. You may have issues going on in your life. You just feel like God wouldn't really help me with my issues because I got to tell you, if you just knew what's going on in the background of my life, preacher, you'd know why I don't feel like God wants to help me. Well, here's what you got to remember. If you look back up to the cross, everything that's in your background and everything that was wrong, this is not an excuse for you to be able to just go out and sin and do whatever you want to do. That's not what this is all about. But what this is all about is when I do sin, my sin has been covered and paid for already by the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid a tremendous price for me. And he, he, uh, he made a tremendous sacrifice so that I could be 100% acceptable and holy before God, chosen in him by his own sacrifice for you and me this morning. And I would challenge you, I, I, I don't know if you've been kind of standoffish from God because you feel a little squeamish about who you are and the way you've lived maybe the last week or month or whatever, but I want to tell you, God longs to have you back in fellowship with him. He wants foundational truths under your feet. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, just be honest about it. If you died today, you do not have rock-solid assurance that I'd be in heaven with God. You don't know that you've been made acceptable in His sight. You're holy because of what He's done for you. If you don't know that you're saved this morning, I'm going to tell you, God would save you today right now. If you'd be willing to come, what we like to do is give an invitation and the end of the, the, uh, the service here will invite folks to come to an altar and to pray and to trust Christ as Savior. And I'd be happy to meet with anybody that want to get their salvation settled. But man, if there's someone here that's just kind of stood back away from God for a while, God longs to have you back in fellowship with him. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.